Okay, let's get it. Another edition Locked on LSU, your team every day. I'm Matt Moscona, Selection Sunday behind us. LSU baseball gets a three-game sweep over Kentucky, so a lot we'll get to. I'll begin, though, by again apologizing. I'm on the road today, so another episode with me recording on my phone, not in studio. So I do apologize if the sound quality is bad and you just can't take it for 20 minutes or so. I totally get it. Hopefully you'll come back uh, for, uh, tomorrow, Tuesday. We will be back uh, in studio with uh, studio sound quality. But if you can grin and bear it and bear with me with sort of a, a tinny sound here on a phone, uh, I would appreciate it. So LSU is a three seed in the East region. They will take on Yale Thursday, 11.40 a.m. Central Time tip. That game will be in Jacksonville. So, if you'd like an interesting tidbit, the last time LSU went to the Final Four was 2006, and that run to the Final Four began with wins over Iona and Texas A&M in Jacksonville. So, Tigers uh, have some experience playing uh, NCAA tournament games in Jacksonville. This team, however... Only player with any NCAA tournament experience, of course, is Cavell Bigby Williams, who was on that Oregon team that made a Final Four run a couple of years back uh, before he transferred into LSU. So uh, we've got a few things to look at. Obviously, the, the field as a whole, what the committee did with LSU, some quick thoughts on the Yale Bulldogs, and, um, of course, we'll get to, uh, before we wrap up today also, uh, some thoughts on the LSU and uh, Kentucky baseball series. Let me knock out our first quick break, quick, quick step aside. We'll come back and we'll talk about LSU's spot in the tournament and uh, LSU's opponent in round one here at the Locked on LSU podcast. Your team every day. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked on College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Okay, back here on the Locked On LSU podcast, your team every day. We appreciate you for being with us. So, as we mentioned, LSU is a three seed in the East. They'll take on Yale. First, I'll give you my impressions of the seed. Um, <clears throat> the I, I thought LSU's resume was a two. Um, and I, I know I've referenced it a couple of times, but I think, and I'm not going to delve too deep into the numbers, but I think uh, Hunt Palmer, who uh, has done the, the – uh, Daily LSU Basketball Podcast, all your hoops with Hunt, did a great job last week comparing resumes side-by-side by by whatever criteria you want. And I think the general takeaway was and should have been LSU's a two. But And then there's always the question, okay, well, who's not deserving? Well, everyone that got a two-seat is deserving. Um, It's it's just the, the nature of it. You're splitting hairs among really good teams. Just what criteria do you consider? I'm of the belief that LSU very likely in this instance got punished because of Will Wade and they got knocked down a line in, uh, uh, in the seating. 
And that, that that happens. I know a reference last week. I remember in I think it was 1999 with Kenyon Martin in Cincinnati. Who you know he was a great player, and they had a great team. And Martin was definitely going to be a one seed. He broke his leg in their conference tournament, and Kenyon Martin and Cincinnati dropped without um uh, without Kenyon Martin. So I can understand how if the committee gets in the room and they look and they say, okay, well LSU doesn't have Will Wade. A big part of what they've done this year is because of uh, of their coach, who's fantastic, and you take him away just before the tournament. They lost to, to Florida in the SEC tournament and kind of fell apart late there. And then you could also make that argument, might that happen in the NCAA tournament? So quite possibly. I I, I think LSU for their resume was underseeded, but still a three-seed is fantastic. Um, I, Yale is an interesting matchup. Uh, Yale, you might remember three years ago, beat Baylor, upset Baylor in an opening round game. So while Yale hasn't been to the tournament since 2016 and LSU hasn't been in since 2015, the last time Yale was in the tournament, they did score one of the more notable upsets of that tournament and certainly in recent memory as well. So this is a Yale team that is, is quite capable. Uh, and the other thing that LA, that the, uh, the committee did not do LSU any favors with, is the fact that Duke is the one seed in the East region. So uh, for LSU uh, to potentially get to a Final Four, they will, if seeding holds, they will have to beat Yale and then the six seed Maryland and then the two seed Michigan State and then top seeded Duke. So <laughs> that is a gauntlet. Now, I will note, and I'll note, that uh, Maryland, as the six, is going to play the winner of the play-in game between Belmont and Temple. It was nice to see Belmont get an at-large, which they deserve. I think Belmont's going to win the play-in game against Temple, and I think Belmont has an awesome chance of beating Maryland. So if LSU gets past Yale, I think their second-round opponent could be Belmont. You may say, hey, let's take care of you know one game at a time, and, and that's fine, and I'm sure a lot of people will do that. But I would say that's more the, the onus of that is more on the coaches and the players to worry about Yale. It, it would be almost uh, unhuman for for uh, us not to speculate and look ahead. We all fill out brackets and we try to decide who the champion is going to be today, with a lot of basketball still to be played. So, just a few things to keep an eye on, obviously, as um, as LSU gets uh, sizes up Yale and looks ahead a little bit of what might be ahead in uh, in the tournament. So. Um, I hate the idea of having to go through Duke. I think they're the best team in the field, and if Zion Williamson is healthy, I think Duke is going to win the national championship. They should win the national championship. But uh, strange things happen, and we know that 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 often does happen in March in this time of year. So um, I suppose LSU's athleticism, I could make a case if we get there to where we're having to break down LSU and Duke, where LSU's athleticism um, and length has been able to allow them to compete with some of the best teams in the country, with Kentucky and with Tennessee. It just it feels like Duke's a different animal this year. You can say, well, who gets Zion? That's a great question. Nas Reed would stand to make the most sense. Um, but man, let's we'll talk about that if and when that that day comes. Uh, a few things on Yale in particular. Um, of course, Yale is located in New Haven, Connecticut, which is Tremont Waters' hometown. He was even recruited by Yale. Of course, it worked out for LSU's favor. But my guess is Tremont's going to have a little extra juice in this matchup because he'll be going against a team from his hometown, and a lot of local eyes will be on him. Um, shout out to Cody Warsham, 
uh, LSU digital media reporter, he tweeted out a few uh, stats about Yale and, and probably what you would expect, right? So uh, they are ninth nationally in minutes continuity. So the minutes that their roster have played together. So they are a very experienced team. Uh, they are 14th nationally in two-point field goal percentage. So they like to score around the rim, not an outside jump shooting team. Uh, they're not really great at taking the ball away. They are 338th nationally in forced turnovers. So you would think as long as LSU doesn't have many unforced errors, Yale is exactly the team that's going to take the ball away. Uh, and they're very good at uh, pounding the glass. They're 24th in defensive rebounding percentage. So they don't really allow a team to crash the offensive glass, which, of course, is something LSU has been very good at. So certainly worth keeping an eye on on Thursday morning when uh, when LSU and Yale play. So uh, I hope I'm saying it right. My Oni is their guard who averages 17 points a game. Uh, he is an NBA player by all accounts. Uh, he's getting a lot of draft pub, so you would think that, that he's going to be a, a handful. You'd look forward to seeing a guy like that against Tremont to see if, in fact, they do match up against each other. Um, he is 6'6", 210. Longer guards have... Uh, had trouble staying in front of Tremont Waters this year, so I'm not sure if that's how that matchup is going to go. Quite candidly, uh, haven't watched a ton of Harvard basketball or Yale basketball this year. Har- Yale beat Harvard in the uh, in the Ivy League championship to punch their ticket. Haven't watched really any Yale this year, uh, except for a few highlights here and there on SportsCenter. So I can't tell you that I'm breaking this team down tremendously. I'm doing what many people are doing. I'm looking at this team on paper. I'm looking at their resume. I'm looking at the fact that they allow 72 points a game. But unlike what you might expect from an Ivy League school, Yale is a team that can score it. They average 80 points a game. So this is a team that's going to run a little bit and try to score. Uh, the most notable game on their schedule um, is that uh, and, and LSU, LSU and, and Yale actually do have a common opponent. Uh, they played Memphis, and Yale went to Memphis and lost 109-102. So they allowed Penny Hardaway's squad to score 109, but they put up triple digits in that game as well. 109-102. But the most notable game on that, their schedule is they did go play at Cameron earlier this year and play Duke in Cameron Indoor, and they got walloped 91-58. to So maybe a little bit of an idea of what might happen to a team like Yale when they go, you know, body for body with a much more athletic team. Now, granted, that was, you know, that was three months ago, and that was at Cameron Indoor. So this is a neutral floor, and both teams are just a, a world apart. But LSU's been through the gauntlet of the SEC. Yale played some stiff competition early in the season. They also had a game against Cal. Um, they played Miami. So they did, who didn't have a great season, but they did play, uh, they beat Miami. They, they did play some Power Five teams in their pre-conference schedule. So good, good on them for testing themselves early. And, uh, again, the, the one common opponent is, uh, is Memphis where LSU beat Memphis and Baton Rouge. And uh, Yale lost to Memphis in Memphis. Okay, it is the Locked in LSU podcast, your team every day. I'm going to get some LSU baseball. Uh, Tigers sweep Kentucky out of the Alacroix Stadium this weekend, so I definitely want to get some thoughts on that here shortly. But, again, LSU and Yale, 11.40 a.m. Central Time on Thursday. Um, I I would have loved to have seen LSU land a two-seed. I think they were deserving, but um, this is the path they, that they've gotten, and uh, it's nearby, so I think some Tiger fans are going to be able to make that trek over to Jacksonville to watch uh, to watch the Tigers, and we'll see if uh, Tony Benford can get uh, this squad ready to roll in time for um, 
uh, in time for the game on Thursday. Tony Benford did meet with the media on Sunday after the selection show and mentioned that he did talk to Will Wade on Sunday. And, of course, Wade was a former assistant at Harvard. So he's very familiar with Yale, with their head coach, who's the 11th longest tenured head coach uh, in college basketball. So um, some familiarity there as well. I don't, I do not know to what degree a resource Will Wade can be, being that he's suspended. I don't know that he can share notes or if they can just do that sort of um, uh, off the record and, and in the shadows. I have no idea to what degree he could be a resource, but uh, maybe not at all. But um, it certainly seems like LSU is going to go into this into the big dance uh, without Will Wade, and that's a reality. The players have probably accepted. I think LSU fans should accept as well. Yale, uh, LSU on Thursday in Jacksonville. Uh, let the dancing begin. Okay, this is the Locked On LSU podcast, your team every day. We'll grab uh, our second break here, and when we come back, we'll talk a little bit about LSU baseball. They pull off the three-game sweep out at Alec Box Stadium, so we'll recap what went down on uh, the doubleheader Saturday, and then LSU put the punctuation mark on the series on Sunday. Glad you're with us here. It is Locked On LSU, your team every day. Okay, we're wrapping up the Locked on LSU podcast and glad you're hanging out with us here. As I mentioned every day, please, please, please subscribe to the Locked on LSU podcast. It is a gigantic help. If you have not done that, I would really encourage you to do it. Leave a review or rating for us. Um, and if you do have a smart speaker, remember you can listen to us in your home or in your vehicle. Just tell your smart speaker, play podcast Locked on LSU. And there we are again, play podcast Locked on LSU. And there we are. So, uh, LSU baseball. <laughs> they get a three-game sweep of Kentucky to open up SEC play. Now, a few things that um, obviously are worth noting. Uh, Kentucky came in 11th in the SEC in ERA and 11th in the SEC in batting average. This is not a great Kentucky team by comparison. Certainly the one LSU played in Lexington two years ago. That ended up being a national seed. Uh, this is not that team. Of course, Sean Jelly was, you know, the, the SEC pitcher of the year. Uh, he's now gone, but the guy that LSU faced in game one, uh, is a middle of round one type picture, a pitcher was that with, uh, uh, Zach Thompson and he's a lefty who throws mid nineties and he gave LSU fits in game one. But the flip side and the better news for LSU is that Zach Hess looked like a Friday night starter. He gave him seven innings of one-run, four-hit baseball. Uh, he did walk six, but two of those were intentionally at six strikeouts as well. Um, and one of the walks was the first batter of the game, and that was the run Kentucky scored. But Zach Hess was able to buckle down after starting the game, walk single-single, and um, after a bunt by Kentucky, uh, giving Zach Hess the first out, he went strikeout, fly out to get out of it, and then he was in a groove from that point on. So that's spectacular. Not only was Zach Hess great, but Devin Fontenot in relief of Hess was, I'm not going to say even better, but Fontenot has proven at this point what a weapon he can be out of the bullpen. He is one of your most trusted arms, and he has awesome stuff. He gave LSU five innings in relief through 60 pitches. He struck out five, did not walk anybody, only allowed two hits and no runs. And there were times when they had to buckle down and in the 12th inning, um, Fontenot allowed a runner to first, and there was an errant pickoff attempt, and the ball went all the runner got all the way to third base, and Fontenot buckled down and got out of that with a runner on first base and one out. And 
May, and that, LSU came and walked off then in the 12th. But to get that first win was massive because even when LSU didn't hit the ball and they were, they were one for 13 in the ball game with runners in scoring position and the one was an infield single by Antoine Duplantis in the ninth that did not score the run. So with 13 runners in scoring position, they had uh, 13 times they had a runner in scoring position with a man batting and none of those times did they push across the run. Uh, the two runs LSU scored were by a ba- via bases loaded walk, but you make no apologies. Uh, LSU did what they had to do and they won that ball game. And you could tell that, that Kentucky and Nick Mingione, his idea was go for broken game one and hope you find a way to split one of the next two. Uh, Kentucky has two good frontline pitchers with Zach Thompson and Nick Machaki and uh, and uh, Mike Machaki, excuse me, and Machaki fell apart in game two, which we'll talk about. But they used seven, and after those two, um, after those two starters, they have a really thin bullpen. Kentucky does, and they used seven pitchers in game one. You can tell Mingione went for he went for broke in game one, and when it came up snake eyes, he had a thin bullpen. In game two, LSU scored two in the first, six in the second, stirred eight nothing. And Kentucky was not even warming up a pitcher at that point. It was almost as if he had punted game two to, to say, let's see if we can salvage one on Sunday. But by that point, you realize when LSU turns the page to Sunday, uh, they had everyone available except for Hess, uh, Fontenot, Cole Henry. Um, I mean, you, you look at it because after they had the lead, they just pieced it together for the rest of the game. But for Sunday, LSU had uh, Eric Walker starting and he pitched very well. And then after Walker, they were able to hand the ball over to a parade of really good relievers. Matthew Beck was fantastic. Mikhail Hilliard replaced him. Um, and, of course, you had Todd Peterson as well, who looked like Todd Peterson again for the second consecutive outing. So, so much good when you look at LSU, considering the biggest question mark going into the weekend was LSU's pitching staff, this heralded pitching staff with all of these great arms, this arm talent we've talked about that had been walking so many people and at the worst ERA in the SEC, they go out and over the course of three games, they allow one run in 12 innings in game one. They allow a four spot in game two, but that was largely a lot of back-end guys that, you know, when you're just playing up the string, and then just two runs in um, uh, in the finale on Sunday. So over three games, LSU, allowed, LSU pitching allowed seven runs total, and that included a 12-inning game in game one. So the pitching staff was fantastic. And we went through some of those numbers uh, on the podcast on a Saturday leading into the series after the, the Friday game had gotten postponed. And we went through some of the numbers with LSU's pitching staff. And like realistically, when you can look at, at a guy like, you know, like a Riggs Threadgill or somebody like that, whose ERA is 27, that's going to skew the numbers. I think most people could look at Todd Peterson and say, okay, Todd Peterson isn't the, doesn't isn't the guy that's going to carry an ERA of 11 for the for the whole season. He's far better than that, but it got inflated because of you know, because of, of a rough outing or two. So you were going to see that normalize, and you saw Eric, or you saw LSU by and large. Um, you saw the potential again of this pitching staff, and when they're clicking, how good they can be. And mind you, they did what they did this weekend without the services still of Landon Marceau and Jaden Hill, those two guys started the season for you 
as your Saturday and Sunday starters, you didn't have them and you still went out and swept a weekend series in convincing fashion. So you got to figure LSU staff is only going to get stronger as they move forward and start to get more of these arms healthy. So that was just fantastic to see. It was also really nice to see the bats come alive for LSU uh, throughout the weekend. Uh, Daniel Cabrera was about the only guy that hit in game one, and nobody could get Zach Watson out the rest of the weekend. Uh, his, his average has crept up to near uh, – he's, since he's moved to the two-hole, uh, his average – he's batted almost 500 since moving up to the two-hole. His batting average now is close to 400 on the season so Watson was fantastic this weekend. Cabrera was great in game one. And Chris Reed continues to deliver. Uh, he had a knock early in game two, which um, which started the, the hit print, the scoring for LSU, and then they just sort of never let up. So um, really, really encouraging coming out of this weekend. Uh, you'd love to see LSU cut down on some of the strikeouts but you're, uh, offensively, but you're going to see that when you're facing front-line SEC pitching oftentimes, but wins are wins are wins, and we've mentioned it before, but this LSU team on their schedule, it's favorable. Uh, They don't have to face Vanderbilt, and Florida has to come to Alec Box Stadium. So this is one of those series where if you're LSU and you look at, you know, you look at Kentucky coming in to start the season, and they're at Alec Box Stadium, that's a great chance for a sweep, and they got it. So now you're going to play Nichols in the midweek, and then you're going to go to Athens to take on a ranked Georgia team, which is a pretty good baseball team, uh, a ranked baseball team this year. So we will see how LSU does going on the road to Georgia this weekend for its first road SEC series. But it's hard not to look and say, okay, well, if you're LSU, you've already been on the road this year for a weekend series at Texas against a ranked team, and you, you know what that feels like. When, when they're cheering against you and things aren't going great. So you've already had that experience, which I, I would lean on heavily. Uh, you went to Northwestern State and got roughed up a little bit. So they got to figure out how to win on the road. But at the same time, man, it's, um, uh, I, I think those experiences are, are fantastic. It's worth noting Georgia, uh, LSU's opponent for this upcoming weekend, Georgia swept South Carolina. Um, coming back in game three to win in, in the ni- four runs in the ninth for a four to two win. They were down two nothing. They scored four in the ninth to win it four to two. So Georgia went on the road to South Carolina and swept the Gamecocks. And now two teams that opened up conference play by sweeping their opponents meet next weekend in Athens. So, uh, busy week ahead for, uh, LSU Thursday. Of course, you've got LSU basketball against Yale in the NCAA tournament. Then Friday, Saturday, Sunday, you got LSU in Athens against Georgia for a, a three-game baseball series. We will be covering all and getting you ready during the course of this week here on the Locked on LSU podcast. Again, please, pretty please, please subscribe to the podcast. If you have not yet done so, tell all of your friends to tune in to us here. Uh, and if you would, please uh, leave us a review on iTunes or however you listen. We appreciate it greatly. That'll do it for us. Y'all have an awesome Monday and a great week. We'll talk to you tomorrow on the Locked on LSU podcast. Your team, every day.